the Bible in any order you want, and you can keep track of it, and it will it will still um, you know it'll show you the percentage of how much of the Bible you read, the percentage of how much of the New Testament you read. So maybe if you're a math geek and you like to break things down on numbers, um, let me know if you're interested in that um, in that app. It's, it's free. It's very simple. But Philippians four eight is where we find ourselves today. Oh, the reason I brought up the New Year was to ask and just to see. Following through on your New Year's resolutions, are you reading? There's a yes over there. Okay, we have a yes. Uh, you didn't have to give a public um, confession. It's more of just a mental prompt here. Um, but uh, yes, you know, ten days in, and I think they say it takes about forty days to truly establish a new habit. So you've got one month to go, and then it will become a habit. The blessing that will be. Well, tonight we're looking at a total of one verses here in Philippians 4. One verse, that is number 8. And so, I know you've just been seated, but let's stand one more time for the reading of this verse of Scripture. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever things are true, whatever things are honest, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, Whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is any praise, think on these things. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for this important verse of your word. And as I preach and teach on it here tonight, I pray that the Holy Spirit will give you liberty and power and grace. And we pray that our thinking will be better this year than it was last year. Teach us. Who we find him to be and how we think of him and how much 
we think of him, the way that we think of him. All these things are so very, very important. Our thinking drives so much of our behavior. And so when we read these, this verse, this one single verse, it's a well-memorized and often quoted verse, but it's probably one of those verses that's quoted often and obeyed sometimes. Or you might even just have me say little at times. But there's one truth, there's several truths I want to take away from it. Um, we'll, we'll get to them in, in part, but I've broken this into three parts tonight. And the first is what I call the checklist, or you might call it the filter. And these are the list of things that the things we think about are to be. And then uh, in the middle, middle towards the end, we have him say, if there is any virtue and if there is any praise. And these, I, I categorize a little differently, I call them outcomes. And so the first section, we're identifying the thoughts themselves. And then in this, this uh, that second area where it says, if there is any virtue, if there is any praise, I think he's speaking of the outcome or the result of those thoughts. And then lastly, he says, think on these things. So before we get any further, you know what? I, I think I may preach this backwards. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to preach the command first. The command at the end of the verse says, think on these things. Think on these things. Now, maybe you've been in school, and maybe you've had a teacher say, you're not thinking. Come on, think. I want to Put on your thinking cap. But I remember at different points in my life, I thought to myself, and it's this an interesting thought, I can't control what I think. Whatever I think just happens. It just comes. <clears throat> but you know, the Bible tells us otherwise. The Bible tells us otherwise. It says, think on these things. And in one sense, it feels like a burden because it's a command. We're being told to think certain things. And we say, oh, there's another command I have to obey. Oh, no, this is a burden. But you know, it's not a burden because the Bible says the commandments of God are not grievous. So God's commands aren't a burden. If they feel like it, we just need to adjust our spirit and think a little more deeply and realize it's not a burden and see it more fully. But, but the other thing about it is you could see it as a burden, but you know what it actually is? It's actually a great blessing. Because if you have ever struggled with wrong thoughts, if you have ever struggled with uh, fearful thoughts, or lustful thoughts, or just negative thoughts in general that are untrue, doubtful things, whatever it might be, you feel overwhelmed by them. You feel like you've lost control, and, and you, you feel overcome by these things. And the Bible says, think on these things. And the Word of God is actually telling us, think on these things. Don't think on things that aren't these things. And the, the broad implication is what? I am in control of my thinking. Now, before we get too in-depth on this, I want to talk about the word, the command here, to think. The word command, the, the, the command is, is the imperative, right? It's saying you must think on these things. But that word think is also translated reason, reckon, Count or count and ponder. And the idea is, and this is where some people get really discouraged, is they'll say, Well, Pastor, I was just sitting there looking out the window, and it was a beautiful sunny day, 
Well, when we're commanded to think things, I think I want to emphasize that we're pondering. Because I don't believe God is, is saying that if you walk with me, there will never, ever come some bad thought upon your mind. But rather, it is the choice that we make with our mind. And if, if our mind is, you know, wandering or if we're just sort of, uh, you know, if you ever have a crazy dream that involves simple things or crazy weird things that make you scared or something, right? And you wake up in the morning and you're thinking about that dream, right? Well, my point is it's not about the individual thought, but it's about the thoughts that we choose to dwell upon. In other words, it's meditation. It's pondering. So, so we, could, we could say the verse this way. Meditate on these things. Ponder on these things. Give your thoughts over to these things. And so there will be moments where a crazy, evil thought will pop into our mind. But what we do then is we set our minds on something different. We direct our minds elsewhere. And we think upon the things that are listed here in the verse. Now, I will say that as our spirit is right with God, and as we walk with God and we put good things in our mind, you know what happens? Is those stray or random thoughts over time can be greatly minimized. And you know there will be one day where they'll be completely gone, and that's when we're with the Lord, and we're in eternity, and we'll never have another evil thought. But in the meantime, we're told how to think and what to think on. And so don't get too distracted or worked up on the random thoughts that may appear. But rather, give your attention to those, to what you do after that, and to how you direct your thoughts, and to what you choose to think upon. Um, at the end here, we're going to do some application, so I better, better get moving here. Let's, let's look at the outcomes of our thoughts, and this will be uh, that middle section, where he says, if there is any virtue, and if there is any praise. So this I just called outcomes, and the idea is we need to not just think about, is this thought good, but we need to think about where our thoughts lead us. Thoughts are interesting things, because one thought leads to another thought, right? And sometimes a string of thoughts can lead us to a whole new conclusion, right? Um, well, if this happens, then this will happen. And if that happens, then I will feel like this, and then this will happen, right? And all of a sudden, we've made several big jumps, and we're all of a sudden fearful of something that's a number of outcomes away, right? And he says here, if there is any virtue, if there is any praise. And some people think these, these are categorical, and the first virtue is that if it's something that, that brings you to a place of virtue, think on that. If it's a thing that brings you to a place of praising, then you think on that. You know, there are some things that if you meditate on them, you cannot praise the Lord for them. You know that? If you think on some uh, evil crime, you start letting that just get into your thoughts, and then all of a sudden you're fearful that that crime will be committed to you, and all of a sudden you're, you're thinking all these negative thoughts. Can you stop and say, I just want to praise you, Lord, that this evil thing may come upon you? No, you, you couldn't get praise for that, could you? And, and see, one thing that this verse is teaching us is not only should we examine our thoughts, but examine where our thoughts lead us. Do they lead us to a place of virtue and of character and of moral strength? Do they lead us to a place of praise and worship and exaltation of the Lord? Or are they something that, are they thoughts that lead us elsewhere? You know, one thing about a, 
immature person, or maybe we would even say a child in that's still growing maturity, if they don't have that wherewithal and that detachment to kind of see things apart from the moment, right? Maybe we'd say something like this. Do you even hear yourself talking right now? Or maybe someone would say something like this. Say that again really slowly. Them from 
broken and I just can't and I'm just uh, addicted or I'm just whatever. And as long as they believe that they cannot, guess what? They cannot. But God's word says we can. Whatever is true, uh, there's a whole host of examples we could give. But I'm wondering if God can speak to your heart. And maybe you should just pray this prayer to the Lord. Dear God, if I think a lie, if I believe something that's false, would you show me today? Would you point it out as I think about it? That I'll see that I'm believing a lie and I'm not hearing your truth. So, the first task is, is it true? But second, whatever things are wrong. Now, if you're like me, you've maybe wondered to yourself, true? Huh? That sounds like the same thing to me. What, what is the difference between that which is true and that which is not? Um, well, as I look at the word in Greek and English and the root and all those things, the difference that I found is, I believe the root of the word honest, H-O-N, also is connected to the English word honor, H-O-N-O-R, and honesty was found to be dishonorable. And so I think there's a connection between those two words. And so the concept behind this word is that which is honorable, that which is dignified or respectable. You know this Greek word is translated four times in the King James Version, and you know that three out of four times it is translated, you ready? Grave. Now, not the grave or the dead thing, but it means an, a grave spirit, and it has to do with someone being dignified, put together, manners, respectable, those sorts of things. And so honesty is a piece of that, but I think the concept is a little broader, that it's speaking of honor. And so we need to think upon things that help us live and, and be honorable and put together in, in a proper way in our society. Um, there are some things that can lead us towards uncouthness and disagreeableness, poor manners, disrespect even, and for example, Saying whatever's on your mind is not always the most respectful thing, right? It's not the most dignified thing. And if we're going to meditate on things, we want them to be honorable things that, that help us in our life and don't um, cut off pathways for us and others. So I hope that helps you. The other time is translated grave, and it has that idea of dignity or honor. Next, whatever things our just, all right? This is that word for righteous, or righteousness, or right. Um, this would also be things that are fair, or things that are correct and accurate. Um, maybe accurate would go more with true, but it has the idea more of, of righteousness. And um, purity is very similar, okay, but we would think of that more in, in terms of morality. So this is a broader word, um, righteous, that which is righteous. And if we think of the Ten Commandments, Think of the law of God and think of the scriptures. These are things that guide our minds to think upon that which is just. In fact, let me just take a brief siesta here and turn up, not siesta, that's not the right word, diversion, rabbit trail, okay? If I took a siesta right now, y'all would be like, where'd you go? Right? I would be sleeping on the platform. All right. But this diversion has got your attention, all right? Psalm 19. I want you to listen as I read verse 7 through 9. And listen to the descriptors given to the word of God and compare them to the filter that we just looked that we're looking at in Philippians 4 8. The law of the Lord 
think this has the idea of productive things, uh, praiseworthy, commendable things, positive things, I might even say that. I know when you combine them with all the other focus, okay? Positive uh, things. And so all of these things put together, um, we have quite a filter for our minds, don't we? And you know, a lot of us, I think, are, are programmed or
all those factors together, right, you're going to have a lot of bad thinking there. And so the path out is to agree with God. And, and really, if you think of it, the path out is good luck. <laughs> because you need to start thinking truth about that sin. You need to start thinking uh, wisely about uh, getting better and getting sleep and these different factors that will help get you in a better position. So there is some compounding that can happen. There's convergence that can happen in these different things. But God is telling us to think on these things. Even when I'm sick, I can obey Philippians 4. Even if I'm tired, I can obey Philippians 4. Now, it may be more difficult, it may be more challenging, but there is always a way to obey the Lord. Let's, um, I want to do kind of a, an example, maybe a couple examples, but let's again distinguish between a, a single moment, a single instance of the thought, and, and meditating, okay? So let's, um, let's go with this. You ask someone in the grocery store, and maybe inadvertently you bump their cart with your car, okay? And this is the memory. And they call you and ask you where, right, the grocery store. Now, is that a fact in that it happened? Yes, it happened. You were there, you heard it, and you probably, you probably didn't make it feel very good, right? Now, that is the truth in that, yes, it happened. And is it a sin to tell your spouse that stuff? However, is it wrong to meditate on this and replay it over and over again in my mind? Yes. Is it wrong to let that ruin my entire morning and that's the only thing I think about? Yeah, it is. And I, and I think I'm trying to, to categorize a single instance of something and meditating on it, right? That is not a productive thing. That is not a beautiful thing. That does not fit the, the pattern of Philippians 4 And so um, that is a thing that should be out of our thinking, especially out of our meditation and our repeated thinking, and, um, and set aside. And so maybe, maybe another example would be um, if you're walking down the street and you see a horrible crime committed um, and you know, someone's assaulted and beaten and bloody on the street, right? That would be a very horrific thing to see, and certainly it wouldn't be So, you know, there, there are certain thoughts that are just wicked and sinful in and of themselves, and they must be immediately cast back, right? There are other things that they have to have some little portion of our mind to get through life, all right? Things like this crime and this person at the grocery store, they happen in life, they, they're there, but we don't meditate on them. We don't let them control our mind. So how can we stop thinking about something that doesn't fit? Well, ideas here. You try to pair that fact with other truths that are good to think about. So, for example, let's, let's go back to the one who, who cussed you out in school. Maybe you could recall to mind that Christ died for that sin. Now, is that a good thought? That's a good thought, right? You could pray for that sin, right? And this is maybe something you would do to help process past the point, and, and you, you kind of deal with it, if you will, in your mind, and then you move on to something. This is some truth that can help you put that out of mind. So Christ died for that one. You could pray for them. 
maybe you could remind yourself that Jesus was, was called all things in his, his time. Um, you could remember that God gave you the power to forgive uh, this person for, for doing that. And you could remind yourself that apart from Christ, you could be the one uh, speaking that way to others. So all of these are, are, are fruitful thoughts that help channel this evil moment into a more positive direction, right? Into a more godly direction. Um, and these are the types of things that what we're doing is we're, we're taking something that is, is wrong, but we're connecting it to other truth that fits this category and helps our thinking, helps our lives. So you, you might have some things you need to stop meditating on. You might need to stop meditating on your past failures, right? That does not fit the final category of a good report. That which is productive, that which helps move you on to success, right? Um, certainly you want to repent and Best any past sin, right? But there are some times where we take sins that God's already forgiven us for, and we replay them over and over in our minds. Guess what? That doesn't fit Philippians 4. It should not be something we meditate on. Um, and we can meditate on the lessons we've learned, or how God's helped us and, and, and changed us, but we don't replay those simple things over and over. Um, so we don't meditate on future fears, that which could be, right? We don't know that that is true, because it's yet uncertain. We don't know that it's true, and, uh, and, and we don't know that it is productive either. It doesn't fit some of the other filters of Philippians 4.8. We don't meditate on difficult people. Now, certainly, we should pray, right? And uh, if you have a problem with someone, you know, you can talk to the Lord about it. Take some time to maybe talk to the person. But letting some person that's being a challenge in your life begin to become your object of meditation, guess what? That is harmful to your peace. And it's harmful to the purpose of God in your life. One final category I have is don't meditate on the what if. If only I had done this, and if only this had happened. What if that had happened? Um, both past and future. We don't meditate on the what if. If we have a concern about something, maybe we pray about it. Say, Lord, is there some specific step you want me to take in preparation for that possibility? And uh, the Lord will lead, and we do that. But we don't just continually meditate on these types of things. Philippians 4.8 has the ability, if we read it, if we understand it, if we start to live it, it has the ability to transform the way we live, doesn't it? And so I am suggesting that in the next seven days, each morning, you take a read, a quick read of Philippians 4.8, and you ask God, help me by your spirit to catch any that are getting through the filter, to catch these thoughts where I'm meditating and I'm letting my mind be consumed with something that doesn't fit Philippians 4.8. So I hope to take me on the challenge. Seven days, Philippians 4, 8. Um, maybe I'll remind you of that on Sunday. Read it quickly in the morning as a part of your devotions or when you first get up or something. And just ask the Lord to identify those thought patterns that don't fit the verse. All right, any questions or comments? I know it's a broad topic. Do you have a question?
Dear God, thank you that we could all be here safely tonight, and thank you that we could, um, my dad could preach from Philippians 4.8, and thank you that you tell us to think on good things and help us to meditate on good things this week. In Jesus' name, amen.